Well, good morning, North Point family. Come on, it is so good to be with you here this morning. And whether you're here at our Edmonton campus, you're joining us online in Vegreville or even in Chauvin, we are so glad that you have carved out a little bit of time to be with us today because I believe that God wants to speak to us by his Holy Spirit through his word. And today we are in a series that we're looking through the book of Philippians, a book that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in Philippi. And I believe that the message that he wrote 2,000 years ago is still as relevant now today as it was back then. And so I just believe that God's going to do some amazing things as we open our hearts and minds to his word. My name is Michael Vole. I'm the lead pastor here at North Point. And if you are new here today, because I know that every week there are people that are brand new that are joining us, I'm so glad that you're here with us. And I just trust that God's going to speak to you. You know, sometimes we pass by things that we think or perceive are not important, but actually they're quite important when we really look back on it. For example, some of you, you've made that yearly trek to Ikea and you get a whole bunch of those flat pack boxes and what you're gonna do is you're gonna put together a whole bedroom suite and you're so excited and you get those flat pack boxes home and you start to rip open to them and if you're a dude, many of you, you're gonna start to assemble those parts together because you know exactly how they go and you don't think the directions are very important at all. Because let's be honest, they're not written well. Many times we're frustrated by those instructions. So we just keep on going. We start throwing things together. We, we start putting things together. But you get about three quarters of the way through and you realize something is not right. There's maybe some parts or pieces that you just cannot make fit because you didn't do it in the right order. And what you end up doing is get very frustrated. You're very angry. You start having to disassemble the things that you have already assembled. And all of a sudden you realize there are a lot of extra parts that shouldn't be there. And it can cause all sorts of consternation. It can cause all sorts of marital fights. It can cause all sorts of angst within you. We pass by things that are important because we think they're not important. Now, maybe some of you, you've been driving an old car for a very long time and you finally decide, man, I'm going to get a, a new car. I'm going to get a really nice car. Maybe some of you are going through a midlife crisis and you decide to get a car that's a little bit faster. And so you want to get a turbocharged car, but you're so used to filling up your old jalopy with just regular fuel that when you get this new car, rather than read the owner's manual, you decide, well, I know how to drive a car. I've been driving a car for years and years. And you start to to fill it up and you put regular fuel into a turbocharged vehicle, one that really needs premium fuel, you will recognize very quickly that there's going to be a malfunction at the junction. It's not going to run the way it should be. Or maybe even worse, you decide that it's time for you to get a diesel vehicle because you need the power, <laughs> right? But you are so used to having a vehicle that takes regular fuel and you decide to put regular fuel in there. Friends, I'm here to tell you, that's a bad day all day long. There are sometimes we, we don't realize how important something is until we have already gone too far. 
You know, in the Bible, there are some verses that receive some real special attention. There are some verses where we go, man, we've got to stop, we've got to underline. And then there are some verses in the Bible where we just skim over them very quickly. In fact, there are some books of the Bible, there are some chapters of the Bible where we say, man, I I don't know how this relates to me, and so we just end up skimming over them. In the last few weeks, Pastor Trevor has done an amazing job of just being faithful to the scriptures, especially in the beginning of Philippians chapter two that are foundational verses for us to look at. And if you haven't read through the book of Philippians, I wanna encourage you to do so. There is some transformational things that are being said there. And, and, And he really made sure that we understood really what the apostle Paul is saying. And, and they, they grab our attention, those verses that Pastor Trevor talked about. But today, I'm going to focus on some scriptures that don't necessarily grab our attention at first glance, but they should. They should grab our attention because they're a part of the inspired word of God. And because they're a part of the inspired word of God, they're there for a reason, and we want to look at that reason. We, we want to become more like Jesus Christ. That's the goal of the Christian life. And so we want to look in to these scriptures. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, the apostle Paul said this, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Did you notice that? Right off the bat, he says, all scripture. Friends, that means some of the scripture that we're tempted to skim over. All scripture is what? It is God breathed. It comes from God himself. And if God himself wants to communicate to us, I believe that we should be listening. And all of this scripture is God breathed and it's useful for our lives. And today, I I want us to look at these scriptures, and I want us, rather than skim over these verses that we normally will skim over, what I want us to do is I want us to sift these verses. Because when you are sifting, what you're doing is you are looking for the gold. And I believe that there is some gold in these verses that God wants to really deposit into our lives. That, that he, wants to, he wants to do a work in our lives. So let's not skim over these verses. Let's sift them. So let's dive right in. Philippians chapter two, looking at verses 25 through 30. Paul says this, but I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard he was sick. For indeed, he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy, and hold people like him in high regard, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to compensate for your absence in your service to me. So here's the backstory. 
The backstory is this. We're going to read verses 19 through 24 in just a few moments. But chronologically, this is what happens first. These verses that I just read, chronologically, this is what happens first. You see, there's a man by the name of Epaphroditus, and he was sent on a mission by the church in Philippi. This church in Philippi knew that Paul was in prison in Rome, and they send him with some gifts, they send him to minister to Paul's need because though he's in prison, he was allowed to have visitors and guests. And if you were in prison in those days, really they didn't take care of you very well. And so you needed people to help you. So that's what he does. He goes there to help Paul and to serve him in any way that he could in order to make Paul's life easier and in order to minister to the church in Rome, minister to some of the Christians in Rome that Paul was unable to do at that time because of his imprisonment. In fact, commentator William Hendrickson says this. He says that Epaphroditus was sent to bring a gift and to be a gift. And truly, that's what he did. He not only brought a gift to Paul, he was a gift to Paul. That's a, a pretty beautiful thing. And so Epaphroditus, he does this, and he answered this call to go and to see Paul. He went out of his comfort zone. He was probably living a good life in Philippi. He goes out of his comfort zone to go to Rome to spread the greater news of Jesus there in Rome. But at some point, he got very ill. At some point, Epaphroditus got very, very ill. We don't know what his illness was, we can speculate, but it doesn't really matter. But this we know, he almost died. He almost died. The Apostle Paul says he almost died. This wasn't any man cold. And if the Apostle Paul says Epaphroditus almost died, you know full well that it was serious because the Apostle Paul knows what it's like to be on death's door. He knows what it's like to be knocking on heaven's door because on many occasions, the apostle Paul was knocking on heaven's door. We know from looking through the New Testament that there were times where he was shipwrecked. There were times where people threw stones at him. In fact, they called it getting stoned. Not what we're talking about many times in our culture today, but where he was stoned almost to the point of death, where people thought he was dead. So if Paul says, listen, Epaphroditus almost died, he didn't have a little... <coughs> I'm not feeling well, you know? That is not what's going on here at all. He is in bad shape. And news of Epaphroditus' illness got back to the church in Philippi. And that's what really made Epaphroditus sick. The fact that the people back home knew that he was ill and, and, and he was just feeling terrible about that. Think about the kind of person that Epaphroditus was. Think about the, the, the kind of friend and the kind of coworker in the cause of Jesus that he actually was. He drops everything to move out of his comfort in Philippi to go to Rome where things were heating up, where it wasn't a great thing to be a Christian at that time. He doesn't know what he's going to encounter in Rome, but, and yet he goes willingly to serve the Apostle Paul and to serve the Christians that are there. And then he gets sick, even to the point of death. And he's not worried about his own life. You see, that's what I'd be worried about. It's like, am I gonna die? He's not worried about his own life. He's worried about what the Philippian church is going to be thinking and about how they're worrying about him. And, and, and basically, he has anguish that there are people hurting for him, wondering how he's doing. 
In fact, that, that word that is used is, is the same connotation and carries the same weight as that anguish that Jesus felt when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane just before his crucifixion, when he is praying. And it tells us at that point that Jesus is so full of anguish that there are sweat drops of blood that come out of him, that pour out of him. That's how anxious he is. That, that, is, that is how grieved he is. And that's how Epaphroditus is feeling. Friends, this is a good man. This is a good man. In fact, he's lovely. He is full of love. And that's what his name means. Epaphroditus means lovely. So if you're having a hard time saying the name Epaphroditus, just in your Bible, just write in the margins, lovely. You can just call him lovely every time you see it because that is his name. And man, does he ever live out his name? He is living out what it is to love. And so Paul writes this letter to the Philippians and he says, I'm sending him back. I'm sending Epaphroditus back to you so that I won't have to worry about you and so that you will rejoice. So receive him. Give him a hero's welcome is what Paul says. He risked everything for the good news of Jesus Christ and he represented you very well in the mission that you gave him. So Epaphroditus is the one who carries the letter that we are reading today. He is the UPS man of this letter that we have been going through over the last several weeks. And Paul mentions a few things about Epaphroditus that show the kind of person that he really was. In Philippians chapter two, verse 25, he says this. He's my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier. See, today I wanna to talk about true spiritual friendship. You see, we can all have friends, and, and having friends is really good, but there's something very important about having spiritual friends, people who will not only be there for you on, on, a, on a physical level or an emotional level, but people that will be there on a spiritual level. And friends, we need spiritual friends. And a spiritual friend, a true spiritual friend, is a friend who is becoming more like Jesus. You see, when someone like the Apostle Paul, the greatest apostle that ever lived, when he calls you his brother, his fellow worker and fellow soldier, you make sure to add Paul to your reference list because he has just supercharged your resume. And Paul says these things about Epaphroditus. He says, he's my brother. You know, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, when we, make, when we make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we become a part of the family of God. God's spirit begins to, to absolutely overwhelm us. We are filled with God's spirit and we become a part of the family of God. And that's why we call each other brother and sister. It's not some weird thing. All of a sudden we be, begin to call each other's brothers and sisters because we all have the same father. We have that same father, Father God. That, that he is what unites him. You know, one of the things that's beautiful is I've met people from all around the world. In fact, at North Point, there's probably at least 60 nations that are represented here on any given Sunday and throughout the week. And one of the things that's beautiful is that there are a lot of people that I encounter and we may not do the same things in our time off. We might not share the same kind of interests or hobbies, but one of the things that's beautiful is as soon as I meet them, I realize that we have something very much in common. And the reason why we have something in common is because the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is alive within both of us. 
And all of a sudden there is a bond and there is a unity. That's why I love the church of the living God is because the, the boundaries and those borders that often keep us from one another, that they come down when we invite Jesus into our lives. That's what's supposed to happen. That's why racism is so disgusting because we know that we are a part of the family of God. That's our identity. It's a beautiful thing what happens there. And Paul also uses this term brother as a sign of affection. I mean, nowadays we just go, hey, bro. You know what I mean? We feel something. Hey, bro. What's up? And we say, hey, bro, all the time. My kid says that. Man, my daughter's like, she says to us, hey, bro. I'm like, if you call me bro one more time, you are going to get a drop kick. All right? <laughs> I am your father. <laughs> We, we throw out those terms very easily now, but for the Apostle Paul, he doesn't throw out that term very easily. It carries real weight and real significance. And then he says that Epaphroditus is not only brother, but he is a fellow worker. Man, that, that Epaphroditus is working shoulder to shoulder with Paul, that they've got that same mission. And throughout Paul's letters in the New Testament, he will talk about fellow workers he talks about fellow workers like Priscilla and Aquila, like Apollos, like Philemon and Mark. These are hall of faith type people and Epaphroditus makes that list. He is a fellow worker with Paul. That is something special. And then he says he is a fellow soldier. You see, a worker in the gospel also needs to be a warrior. If you're going to, to work for Jesus Christ, you also need to be a warrior because you are going to face all sorts of opposition just by the very fact that you say Jesus is Lord. There's going to be opposition. And this can be in the form of friends and family. Some of you, when you came to faith, your friends and your family were like, you are crazy. You've gone off your rocker. I don't know what you're all about. Sometimes it, it comes in the form of our world leaders where they are legislating against some of the things that we believe in. And they're making it very hard for us to practice our faith. We're going to come across opposition. And friends, you may even come across opposition by fellow Christians. Fellow Christians who say, man, you're taking this whole Jesus thing just a little bit too seriously. Just chill out, just mellow out. You're actually reading the words of Jesus and you're putting them into practice. This is crazy town. You see the opposition that we can face? All of us can face opposition. But remember, the enemy may use people to derail us from the mission, but friends, people are not our enemy. People are not our enemy. Flesh and blood is not our enemy. Our enemy is Satan himself. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when he was writing to a church in Ephesus, he says this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. You see, our battle is not against people. Our battle is against the enemy. We love people, but we battle against the enemy. Man, what a, what a friend Epaphroditus was. He was a brother. He was a worker. And he was a warrior. Man, that's the kind of person you want in your corner. If only we could take on the lovely characteristics of Epaphroditus in our own lives. What a difference that would make in our lives. You know, it's often been said that dogs are a man's best friend. 
And, and believe me, there's a lot of comfort. And, and when you come home and, and that dog is happy to see you and wags their tail and all the rest, there is something very special when it comes to that. But friends, there is nothing more special than to have another human being that you can actually talk to, that they understand you, that they are able to communicate with you. And, and I believe that we've got to cultivate those spiritual friendships. So now we switch from Epaphroditus to another man named Timothy, and we pick this up in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 24, and it says this. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare, for they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven character, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself will also come to you shortly. So once again, Paul is in prison, but he is concerned for the people in Philippi. He is concerned for their health and he is concerned for the unity in the church. He doesn't want the church to be disunified. He doesn't want cracks and divisions to come. He's very concerned about them, though he should be concerned about himself and the prison sentence and the fact that he may die. He is concerned for them, but they are also concerned about him. That church in Philippi is like, man, we love the apostle Paul. He started this church, man. We want to be close to him. We don't want him to die. They're worried about what is going to happen in the future. And so Paul is going to send this letter with Epaphroditus and then as soon as he finds out about what's going on in his court case, he's going to send Timothy ahead because he wants to be able to bring some news to this church that's been waiting. Hey, what's happening in this court case? And not only does he want them to be refreshed by this news, then he wants Timothy to come back and, and to share with him, with the Apostle Paul, just how this church is doing. He wants to know. You know, Timothy is a protege of the Apostle Paul. In fact, the Apostle Paul mentored Timothy. He poured into him over and over and over. And, and Timothy has become a true friend and a trusted coworker. And so Paul is going to entrust Timothy to speak and to act on his behalf. That's how close they are. That Timothy can speak and act on the Apostle Paul's behalf. Paul calls Timothy a kindred spirit. Whatever Timothy might do or say, it's in the same spirit that Paul would have done it or said it. Timothy is genuine in his concern for the church, just like Paul was. You see, even the great apostle Paul couldn't do the work of sharing Jesus on his own. I think sometimes we, we have this idea, it's just like, no, you know what? I can do this on my own. Or we see greatness and we see great leaders and we think, oh man, it must be amazing how they can do all these things on their own. And yet that's just not true. Behind every great leader is a whole slew of people that have supported them. You know that when it comes to sports heroes. I mean, you look at Connor McDavid, amazing, a generational player, but friends, without the coaches, without parents who will wake up at six in the morning for every one of those practices, drive to every one of those tournaments on the weekend, without the trainers that will take care of you, without the surgeons and medical staff, without uh, the fans, without the sponsors, without your fellow teammates. Come on, man. You're not going to be what you could be. 
Even when it comes to sports where you're on your own, maybe when it comes to golf or tennis, friends, you know there is a slew of coaches and people behind that have been supporting you the whole way. We cannot do this on our own. Why would we be any different as followers of Jesus Christ? Why would we be any different? If you wanna be healthy in your relationship with Jesus Christ, you need other people. You need other spiritual people that are going to spur you on, that are going to help you from time to time. You know, we often talk about our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And in fact, every single Sunday, I talk about the importance that you would make a decision personally to follow Jesus Christ. It's the most important decision you could ever make. But friends, I'm here to tell you right now that it's more than just a personal relationship with Jesus. You see, if you followed Jesus and you lived by yourself on a desert island, Jesus would come into your life. The Spirit of God would come into your whole life and change you from the inside out. But on your own, you're probably not going to be a growing and a healthy Christian. You see, I've heard lots of people say, man, I don't really think that I need church. I don't really think that I need other believers to grow in the faith. And I would just say, I don't believe it. Every time I've come across a Christian who is no longer hanging out with other Christians, that they're no longer coming to church, there is something that goes sideways. They are not growing and developing in their faith. Like Pastor Michael said in his video That Greek word for one another, it occurs 100 times in the New Testament. And our health as followers of Jesus requires others. It's been said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Friends, do you want a healthy future when it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ? True spiritual friendship encourages It encourages, it spurs on. You see, Paul encouraged the Philippian congregation through his letter. The Philippians encouraged Paul through sending Epaphroditus. Timothy was an encouragement and a son to Paul, and Epaphroditus was a true brother to Paul. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, it says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, some of us have gotten into the habit of not getting together. You know, I know especially, you know, when COVID hit, for some of us, it was like, whew, now I get my Sunday to myself. Now I get to sleep in. Now I get to have brunch. Now I get to do all those things. And, and we just got out of the rhythm of meeting together. And some of you are like, man, I'm an introvert. I, I really get energized by myself. I understand. Some of you are extroverts and you get energized by being around other people. You can probably tell that's me. And some of you introverts are like, I don't want to be in church anymore. But you realize after a few months of COVID, you realize, man, something's missing in my life. I've had this conversation so many times. Introverts and extroverts, something is missing. I'm not growing in my relationship with Jesus Christ. Friends, we need one another. We need one another. We need to gather together. Man, when I come together with you, I love Jesus. I spend time with him each and every day. I get on my knees and I pray. I I keep that relationship going. But there's something about Sunday when I see you coming in these doors. There's something when we sing together. There's something when we pray together. And there's something that just happens within my heart that says, keep on going no matter what's going on in my life. We need one another. Hey, online people, I love you. You know I do. You know I do, and we are never going to get rid of online. 
but I will encourage you. Sometimes you got to get out here. For some of you, maybe you're using it as a bit of a crutch, and I want to encourage you that you would come out, that you would get involved, that you would get involved in a group, as Michael Cowie has said, we need one another. We need to spur one another on to love and good deeds. So true spiritual friendship encourages, and true spiritual friendship is accountable. You see, true friendship, especially spiritual friendship, it can be fragile, absolutely fragile. It can be tricky to navigate. It's prone to cracking and division. You know what it's like. You have someone that's close in your life, but but you know that it can be fragile. We know that on the one hand, we need to be honest with one another. We need to be able to share freely with people. But then we also need to be honest enough that when we see something in someone else, someone who is a a true follower of Jesus and they want to become more like Jesus, we also need to be able to approach him and say, man, there are some things I'm seeing in your life and it just seems, seems really out of whack. And as you can imagine, that can be very difficult. And that's where Paul was at with the Philippian church. The reason he is sending Timothy is he really secretly, he wants to know what's going on in the Philippian church and he wants to know if they have received his letter well because they're going through some real trials and they're going through some times where maybe their unity is breaking apart and he just wants to know, have they received this letter well? You know, when it comes to accountability, most of us say we want it. Oh, I want accountability. And you might talk with one of your friends. You may talk with a spouse. And maybe you're dealing with anger issues. And you say, listen, in a calm moment, you go, I, I don't like the fact that I'm angry all the time. I don't like the way that I'm, I, I'm just snapping at other people. And so you'll say, would you please hold me accountable? When I'm starting to delaminate, would you just gently remind me just to, just to bring it down, Right? And they say, okay, I'll do that. You're sure I want, you want that? Yes, I'm totally sure I want that. Two minutes later, right? And something happens and we go, we go ballistic. We start to, you know, get angry. We start to yell. And they say, hey, it, just, just you're starting to, to be a little angry. And I'm not angry. How dare you tell me about this? I'm not angry at all. You see what I'm talking about? We want accountability until we don't want it. We want accountability, but we despise the people that hold us accountable, friends. And we despise that accountability. I want you to know that true spiritual friendship says we are going to lift one another up and we are going to hold one another accountable so that we can become more like Jesus. And people are going to let you down. The Apostle Paul was let down by people in his life. But the net effect of having people in your life that will call you higher it's so much greater in the end. I mean, that's where I'm at in my life, is that I've got a few people in my life that they'll call me higher, and sometimes it is painful, sometimes it rubs you the wrong way, but it makes you more like Jesus. And finally, true spiritual friendship reminds us of the mission that we're on. Man, I just want you to know that spiritual friendship is so much more than just hanging out on the patio and having a nice meal with people, that that is good and that is important and that's healthy. But what I'm talking about today is true spiritual friendship like the Apostle Paul had with Epaphroditus and with Timothy and and it calls us higher and it calls us to remember what is it that we're here for. Friends, here at North Point Community Church, I will never 
as long as I'm your pastor, I will never back off the fact that every one of us needs Jesus Christ in our lives. That is the mission. The mission was given by Jesus himself. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so I'm gonna preach Jesus Christ every single Sunday. And I'm going to give an invitation for people to receive Jesus Christ every Sunday. And if you grow tired with that and you say, well, pastor, I just wanna go a little bit deeper, then this is not the church for you. Because one day we're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And the deepest thing that could ever happen is for you to look back and see thousands of people deep saying, we are here because you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, because you lived it out in your family. You lived it out amongst your coworkers. You, you sent money overseas. You went and you did things. And so we're going to keep on doing that. And we need those reminders, don't we? Because we slip into selfishness very quickly, don't we? We need to be reminded what is our mission, our mission is to bring real hope and new life and lasting purpose to people who need it so much. True spiritual friendship. Hey Amen, maybe you're here today and you don't have a friendship with Jesus. And maybe you're even worried about what that would look like because you're like, man, I am a gong show. Man, if you knew what I've done in the last few weeks, let alone in my life, you would know that, that I am not worthy of a friendship with Jesus. I want you to know none of us are worthy and yet Jesus, the Bible tells us, is a friend of sinners. The Apostle Paul says, Jesus is a friend of sinners and I'm the chief among sinners. And yet Jesus came in and transformed his life today. If you want to have Jesus in your life, it's as simple as saying, Jesus, I recognize that I'm broken. I recognize that I'm a sinner. I have missed the mark. Come into my life and change me from the inside out. And when you do, in that nanosecond, Jesus, will come into your life, you will become a part of the family of God and you will find true friendship with Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me today? Friends, we can't do this on our own. Maybe you've been following Jesus for years and you've just been living on your own. I, I just want you to make a commitment that you are going to put yourself out there. Maybe you've been staying away from church, staying away from gathering together with other people that are gonna sharpen you. Today that you'd make that commitment to say, God help me in this, to, to take those steps that I need to. And today, if you want Jesus in your life, would you just pray with me, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sin, my sin separates me from you. But I don't wanna be separated, I want to know you. Come into my life, change me from the inside out. I wanna be part of the family of God. Pray these things in your name, amen. 